Hey, what are you doing here? Oh, hello. I was only stopping by to ask if you've heard the news about Julie. Julie who? Julie Andrews. Andrew, you're talking about Mary Poppins. Oh, yes. Well, apparently she's made an announcement that she will no longer be involved in any advertisements concerning cheap lipstick. Is that right? So she says it crumbles easily and makes her breath smell horrible. Oh, that's too bad. Also, I do not care. I believe her exact words were, the super color Fragile lipstick gives me halitosis. Was that supposed to be some kind of joke? Get out of here. I, I, I was only... Get out of here. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't... You need to leave. You just need to leave. You need to leave real quick. Well, I never. You better not ever. Not in here. I'm going. That ain't even right. Hi, I'm Randall Sims, and this is my podcast. Jesus, the Christ, at the cross of Calvary, purchased eternal life for you and for me. Life more abundant. That life has already begun, so why wait until the afterlife to live that life to the fullest? Welcome to the most impatient Christian podcast in the entire world. This is Christ Life Now. Being available is key. You cannot be used, will not be used, if you're not available. Now, the availability may sometimes be veiled. You may not even know that you're available, but being in the right place at the right time is important. And then when you do get direction from God, obeying that direction, listening to that direction is key. There was a man in the scripture in the New Testament named Shaul, and we know him better as Saul and later as Paul. This was not a good person. This was not a man who deserved to be used of God. This was a person who persecuted the church, but he ended up doing some amazing things for God. In fact, before it was all over, he wrote most of the books of the New Testament. Saul, as he was originally known in the King James Version of the Bible, he was on his way doing what he did best, which was persecuting the church, persecuting the Christians, having them mercilessly killed because They were believers of the time and understand that to be a believer in that community back then was to many people to be completely out of alignment with not only what God wanted, but certainly with what the government wanted back then. So Paul was being a good persecutor, as good as he could be. He was not just good. He was passionate about persecuting the church. Many people, many Christians lost their lives due to what Paul or Saul did. Even now it's hard to call him Saul because we know him so well as Paul. One day on the road to Damascus, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. A great light appeared and Paul heard the voice of the Lord say, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul looks up and he's like, first of all, who are you? He said, it's me, Jesus. It's hard to kick against the goads, isn't it? He fell down. That changed his life. He had an encounter. Let me tell you this. Not every fight is a grudge match. Not every attack is from the enemy. And there are true enough times when fighting is about something that has happened. And it's to settle an argument, to settle a disagreement, to settle a a grudge. But then there are those that are like professional wrestling, like WWF. You know in advance who the winner's going to be. 
because it's been decided already by a higher authority. Well, you may not know, but those that are fighting already know because it's been authored. It's scripted. So not every fight is a real grudge match. Not every battle is a war. Do you know that? The results that come from fights and battles and attacks are not always what we think that they're going to be. We need to start seeing the things that happen to us in our lives as opportunities to learn and to grow. We've all been through things that we've come out of, hopefully, having learned a few things. I know I've not been through a major battle in my life that, as painful as the battle may have been, I didn't come out knowing more than I did when I went into it, having a better understanding. Even in the church, battles happen and you learn a thing or two when you go through them, don't you? On the job, same way. In our families, in relationships, same way. Sometimes it's something that you wish that you didn't have to learn. And sometimes it's something that you don't even know for a while why you had to learn it. But there you are with newfound knowledge. Saul on the road to Damascus, struck down by Jesus. In fact, he was blinded. Saul went on to Damascus and began turning his life around or allowing the Lord to turn his life around. God instructed a man named Ananias to go pray over Saul. He prayed for him. Something like scales fell from his eyes. And this was after three days of whether it was intentional or not, fasting and <laughs> praying and not seeing. And then Saul could see. Now, we sometimes say that God changed the name of Saul to Paul. Well, that's not entirely true because, again, his name was Shaul, and, and it's more to do with the who's talking to him and who's talking about him as to whether he's called Saul or, or Paul. Truthfully, in, in the language of the day back then, he really wouldn't have been called either one of them. But he was definitely given, here's the point, a new identity. He was given a new identity in Christ. He was born again. And isn't it interesting that all these years later, whether we know the full reason of why that name was allegedly changed, we know him as Saul originally when he was a persecutor of the church, and then we know him as Paul when he was writing the Bible under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he received a new identity in Christ. I want to take you to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 32. Jacob and his family, his wives plural, and his servants and his livestock were out traveling. Now, this is Jacob, the son of Isaac, the grandson of Father Abraham. This is the man that's in line. He's in the lineage. This is the one from whom the nation of Israel eventually sprung. So Jacob was left alone, and a man came and wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip joint, and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for day is breaking. But Jacob said to the man, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. So he asked him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And then he declared a blessing of the covenant promises on Jacob there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, the face of God, saying, For I have seen God face to face, yet my life has not been snatched away. Now the sun rose on him as he passed Peniel, or Penuel, and he was limping because of his hip. Jacob had an encounter. Jacob had an attack, you might say, from God himself. Now, if you read the, the scripture, it says an angel of the Lord, and then it says that it was God. Jacob named the place Peniel because he had seen the face 
of God. So this was not just an angel from the Lord, but an angel of the Lord. This was a manifestation of God. Jacob encountered him and not only encountered him, but there was an attack. He wrestled with the Lord and he said, I'm not going to let you go until I get my blessing. In other words, Jacob wanted the good things. He wanted the promises of God fulfilled in his life. And eventually the Lord spoke those things over him because Jacob held on. He would not let go. He kept fighting. He did not give in. When this wrestling match started, Jacob was out traveling with his family. They had already crossed over. They left him there alone, and then he encountered the presence of the Lord. Many times when we encounter the presence of the Lord, we come under attack. It's at the times when we are most alone, at the times when we don't know exactly what's happening in our lives or what's supposed to be happening in our lives is not happening in our lives. We might feel desolate like our wives and our children and our manservants and maidservants and all the cattle have abandoned us. They've already gone over to the other side of the river, but here we are alone hopefully in our prayer closet, or maybe we're just going about trying to start a fight. Maybe we're going about trying to persecute someone, the church, a fellow believer. But lo and behold, even though we're not worthy, the anointing is still available to us, but it's going to take some holding on. It's going to take us continuing to wrestle. Whether we're like Saul and we're doing the the bad things that we shouldn't do in the kingdom of God or against the kingdom of God, or we're like Jacob and we're just there in the lineage of truth, in the lineage of Abraham, in the lineage of Jesus, here we are doing what we're supposed to do and we still come under attack. You see, it's not about necessarily whether we're doing what we're supposed to do or we're doing something that we shouldn't do. God has a plan for your life. Get ready to wrestle. Today's message is called Keep Wrestling. We've got to keep going and not give in until we get that which God has planned for us. Now, whether God has planned for you a great nation to spring forth from your loins or God has planned for you to write anointed and inspired books or epistles, whichever the case is, you've got to keep going, keep holding on, keep wrestling. Don't give in. Even when you feel like the attack is straight from the enemy, remember, not all attacks are from the enemy. When Paul was blinded and fell down on the ground, he may have thought that there's something unholy was going on. After all, in Paul's mind, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. He may have even in some way thought that he was anointed to do so. He did a lot of harm, but he was still willing to be used. He was still available to God. Notice that he didn't argue against the angel. He didn't argue with God. He did ask, who are you? And that's important. You know, Jacob did the same thing when he was wrestling. He asked, what are you? And that's the first thing that I think we need to do when an attack comes. We need to know who the attacker is. Doesn't that make sense? I'm not going to tell you that all attacks come from God. Sometimes it's the enemy, and we need to know what we're dealing with. God, is this attack coming from you, or is this attack coming from from the enemy. Now, if it's coming from the enemy, you rebuke it in the name of Jesus and you declare victory over it and you keep going. You wrestle until you defeat it. But if it's coming from God, you hold on until you receive the lesson and the anointing that God has intended for you to receive. A few years ago, I was working at a, a local church and the pastor was a, was a good person, a good man of God. I had known him for many years. And suddenly he just kind of went off the deep end, it seemed. He fired us and he started saying that we were going to stop doing the successful things that had been going on in the church and he decided that we were going to go back to a more old-fashioned way of doing things. That was an attack and it felt like an attack of the enemy. You know what though? It was like God hardening Pharaoh's heart. It was a blessing. It's led us to 
where we are today in ministry and in the Lord and put people in our lives that never would have been in our lives otherwise. That was a lesson from the Lord. And had we just given up and said, you know what, I've, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm going to get out of ministry. I'm not going to suffer. Then we would have truly lost out on so many wonderful things. But because we held on, because we kept wrestling, we received not only the lesson that God had for us, but we received the blessings that God had for us. And praise God, he is not done yet with the blessings. But it's important that you know who it is that you're wrestling. God moves in our life, as the old song says, in mysterious ways. And Isaiah 55 and 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So we can't assume that the, hmm, this sounds so funny to say this, but that the attacks of the Lord or the encounters of the Lord are necessarily going to be things that we understand or that makes sense to us. The path to an incredible blessing is not always easily identifiable as the path to a blessing. Did you hear that? The path to a blessing is not always easily identifiable as the path to a blessing. We've got to have faith in the word that he's given us, faith to stay on the path that he's given us, even though it may seem that it's not right in our flesh. We may be wrestling and, and fighting and not understanding who we're wrestling with. Well, if you don't know your enemy or your opponent would be a better word, then you really don't know exactly how to perform in the fight, do you? We think it's just a man when it turns out to be God himself trying to put us on the path that he's designed for us. Sometimes we're fighting, trying our best to get a, a chokehold on the situation when all we really need to do is just hold on and, and let him touch us so that, so that we can get ready to receive what he really wanted us to have in the first place. Now consider this. I know that seems a bit dramatic in the case of, of Saul to be practically knocked off his horse or camel, or whatever it is he was riding, and to be blinded for three days, to go without food for three days, to have his life completely turned around, seems a bit dramatic to have it done in that way. But what if, instead of that kind of an encounter, God had just sent some little old lady on the road to Damascus and flagged him down? Ah, Mr. Saul, Mr. Saul, it's hard to kick against the goads, isn't it? You need to turn things around and stop persecuting the church. Probably wouldn't have turned him around. It took a dramatic event to get his attention, didn't it? It took a dramatic event to turn his life around. So understand when you say, God, I could have learned this lesson in such an easier way. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't because you're stubborn just like I am. Whether you want to admit it or not, you probably are. Just At least just a little stubborn, right? Because we're all humans. Sometimes it takes a road to Damascus kind of encounter to really get our attention. But we need to first identify who it is what it is that we're wrestling with so that we can know how to wrestle. When we identify that it's the Holy Spirit, when we pray about it and the Holy Spirit communicates with us and we begin to understand that this is not a trial, but this is a blessing in and of itself that God's putting us through, then don't stop fighting. If you catch hell, don't hold it. If you're going through hell, don't stop. But when you have got hold of a blessing, you better hold on. Wrestle until you get your blessing. The second thing is keep fighting even though there is a cost. Now in Jacob's case, it was pain. It was a limp. The Lord touched his hip. And even after the encounter, even after he received his blessing, he went off with a limp. There was a cost to it. I mean, staying up all night wrestling in and of itself is a cost, right? And there are times I just think, you know, I'm so tired. I just need to go to bed. 
right now. But in those situations, that's when I would miss out on a powerful blessing. Keep fighting even though there is a cost. Hold on even though there is a cost. What, what is love after all? Love largely is a sacrifice, right? What do you mean? A sacrifice. Okay, let me put it like this. For God so loved the world that he, what's that verb? Gave. He sacrificed his only son. You see, love is a sacrifice. There is going to be a cost to anything that's worth having. Salvation for all mankind, for all those who believe, there was a cost. The cost of the life of Jesus. The cost of God giving his only son. The cost of receiving your blessing, maybe it's a limp. Maybe it's three days of blindness. Maybe it's fasting for three days. Maybe it's a time when you think, what on earth is going on? Why am I suffering through this situation? Maybe God is in the process of delivering you from a bad relationship and you think my world is coming to an end. It's all over. What's the point in even going on? What's the point in living? Maybe God is taking you out of a geographical location you're not supposed to be in. Maybe it means because you're supposed to move across the street, God has a better home for you. Or maybe it's you're supposed to move to another city. Maybe you're supposed to be a missionary and move to Africa. Whatever the case is, it's not just a coincidence. There's going to be a cost to anything that is good that comes your way. Any kind of supernatural blessing, it's not free. And when you think about it, They say the best things in life are free, but you can give that to the birds and bees because the good things in life, they come with a cost, don't they? It may not make a popular lyric, but it's true. Jesus told us that his yoke is easy and his burden light. In other words, being linked to, being tied to Jesus is not hard. It's easy, amen? But he did not tell us that once we get yoked to him, that the journey that we take together was going to be easy. Don't make the mistake. In our relationship with God, he's going to lead us down roads that are not always easy to go down. We may end up hungry and blind, limping around before it's over. But in the end, if we don't stop, we get our blessing. Consider Saul. If he had not continued, what would have happened? Well, first of all, I mean, from our point of view, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament, right? Well, we might because I think God would have used someone else to give it to us, but we certainly wouldn't have the New Testament that we have today. He would have continued persecuting the church, and on a very personal level, from Saul's point of view, he would not have become a child of the Most High God. He probably wouldn't have even been healed of his blindness. Ananias laid hands on him and healed him and then baptized him. It's interesting to note, though, those scales that fell from Saul's eyes, it was three days. How many of you, after three days of blindness or injury, after three days of limping, would, would just give up, depressed. That would be hard. Three days in dark when you're used to being able to see, you used to being a prominent citizen, it would be hard to continue on that path, even though you saw a great light, even though you encountered the Lord, even though you had a supernatural experience. Three days of blindness would be enough to depress anyone. Good thing for Saul, he didn't give up. Understand that there's always going to be a cost. And the next thing I want to go over with you is that we need to keep fighting even though it seems that we're all alone. You're not alone. God is there. Whether it's in the form of an angel or the, or it's in the form of a manifestation of light and voice and whether it's even in the manifestation of someone to come along and say, God has put me into your life in order to heal you of your blindness. God has sent me, even though it was with much trepidation that I came, because when he said, in Ananias' case, when, when the Lord said, go and pray for Saul of Tarsus, you know, the one who's been killing people like you, believers, he's over there praying, he's over there fasting, he's over there blind as a bat. I want you to go pray for him. 
Can you say that again? I'm not sure if that was the Lord speaking or if that's the enemy trying to get me killed. <laughs> Lord, if that was you, let me just let me just fleece this again. I know that I don't usually hear you audibly, but in this case, I'm going to need to hear you a second time audibly. <laughs> he was very afraid, but he obeyed. He went. He healed him. You're not alone. God will send a person. God will send a situation. God will send a blessing your way. God has called us into a place of tenderness when nobody is looking, when there's no great decision to be made, when it's just him and you alone in your bedroom at night, alone in your prayer closet or in your living room or in the shower, in the car, wherever it is that you get encounters with God, when it's just the two of you in the room. And, you know, that's when you learn. You think you're alone? Get alone with God. Now, that seems like an oxymoron. God's there, but you're alone. Get alone with God. Being alone is a good thing. Clear the air of noise (laughs) from all the people and all the voices that want to tell you why you can't do it or, or why you have to do it even though you don't know you need to do it. Clear the sound from the room, from your mind. Get into a place where you can't hear anything but the Holy Spirit. Turn off the crickets. Listen to the Lord. This might sound crazy, but sometimes when I'm praying and, you know, I like to listen to worship music, but sometimes I have to turn even that off because I will start to think about the song and, oh, we need to sing that song at church. Man, that's a good song. I'll start to focus on the lyrics and maybe even start to analyze the lyrics or just start to sing along, but I need to turn it off so that I can just hear the Holy Spirit clearly. Do you ever ever get like that? Even sometimes the good things that are in our life, even family, even your Christian spouse, even your best friend who's a Christian, we just need to separate for a minute so that it's just us and God. Remember, you got to keep on fighting even when you feel like you're all alone. You're not alone. God is there. Alone or the initial inerrant perception that you are alone is a great place to start. That can be the very beginning. You think that you're at the end because everyone's abandoned you? Hey, that's just the start. They didn't abandon you. God said, I'm going to take them out of your life for a time. And if they did abandon you, then they shouldn't have been there in the first place. Amen. So go ahead and send your wife, or in Jacob's case, your wives, across the creek with the kids and the livestock and the servants until there's no one left but you. In the case of Saul, the others that were with him heard the voice, but they didn't see what was going on. And of course, it wasn't too long before Saul didn't see either because he went blind. Because when all the noise is gone, when all the drama is gone, can you imagine the the drama that was involved in Jacob's case with having two wives. I mean, forget the livestock and the servants, but oh well. I mean, no wonder he needed to be alone to hear from God, right? (laughs) Well, anyway, that's the time when you can start to hear the one who's with you when no one else is with you. Don't let go. Keep fighting. You're never alone. And number four, keep up the fight until you discover your new identity. How many of you feel like You were one way before you came to the Lord, and then afterwards you were a different way. If that's not the case, then I I urge you to come to the Lord. When we come to the Lord, especially as an adult or, or even as a teenager, it's going to change things in our life. So we need to hold on and keep on fighting, keep on wrestling with the angel until we get our new identity. In Jacob's case, he was directly given a new name. He went from Jacob, he was holding onto his brother's heel when he was born. He tricked his brother, he connived with the mother in order to steal the birthright. Remember that story? He was a hill grabber. He was a trickster. In fact, Jacob means trickster. He had his name directly changed by God to Israel, which means contender with God. Now that's a powerful fight message, isn't it? If you're going to fight, you want to be a contender. Amen? 
You want to be a contender in the battle. He went from Jacob, trickster, to Israel, contender. God gave him a new identity. Jacob was, after all, that conniving mama's boy, but Israel fathered a nation. So hold on until you re-identify. Even though it was a little bit different with Saul, he got a new identity too, right? I mean, for 2,000 years, we've been thinking of him as Saul when he was the persecutor of the church and Paul when he was writing to the church and encouraging and uplifting us and creating the New Testament. Amen? How about with you? Have you, have you run into someone from your former life that says, you go to church now? You're a Christian now? I remember you when you were in high school. I figured if you ever walked into a church, you would burst into flames. I remember you back when. You know what you tell them? Hey, yep, that was somebody else. No, literally, I'm born again. I'm not the same person. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. No more of this, um, I am a worm nonsense, you know, to save a wretch like me. Well, you were a wretch, but you're not a wretch anymore. It should say to save a wretch like I used to be, because it still rhymes, number one. And number two, it's more true. No more of this worm nonsense. You, you were a worm. Now you're a blessed and highly favored joint heirs with Jesus Christ, children of the most high God, the righteousness of God. It's not about whether we should be blessed. It's not about whether we should be anointed. But many times it's just about holding on and continuing the fight until we receive what God wants us to have. Because God wants better things for us than we want for ourselves, to be honest. God has better things planned for us than we have planned for ourselves, which is amazing because I have some amazing things and ideas about what I need in my life and what I want in my life. But God's ideas are higher. His ways are not our ways. Anyone who knows who God made them to be will never try to be someone else. Isn't that a good quote? Be who God made you to be. Christians who live their lives out of who they really are cannot be crippled by the opinions of others. It doesn't really need to matter to us what other people think of us. We no longer need to work to fit into other people's expectations, but we need to burn with the passion and with the realization of who the Father says that we are. Because even in our best days, even in our best weeks, we're not good enough. Our righteousness is still as filthy rags. We still don't deserve it, but that doesn't mean that we don't get it. See, isn't being a Christian a wonderful thing? Isn't it good that we get what Christ deserved, which is eternal life, and he got what we deserved, which was death? Isn't that a wonderful thing? For God so loved the world that he gave. And number five, we need to keep fighting. And this is what it all comes down to. We need to keep fighting until we receive the blessing. We get our new name, we get our new identity, and then we get the blessing. And that's really the whole point of it, isn't it? We get what God has planned for us. Remember Jacob? Well, he was already blessed. I mean, he had already, like I said, tricked Esau out of his birthright and out of the blessing of their father Isaac, but Jacob wasn't satisfied. He knew there was more. Some would call that greedy. I call it knowing that there's more and knowing that my father wants me to have more and saying, okay, I'm willing to receive it. Jesus did not go through all of his sufferings so that we could just go to church and sit on a pew and look cute. He did what he did to atone for the consequences of sin. And by doing so, he made it possible to raise up a new breed of world changers. Do you know that is what you should be? A world changer? Those who could maintain the standard that he himself set in love, in purity, and in power. Now this reality is one of the great prophecies that Jesus spoke in John 14 and 12 where he said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. 
of all the miracles, of all the things that Jesus was doing, the sick healed, the dead raised back to life, blinded eyes open, deaf ears restored to hearing, greater things than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Not only does Jesus' life compel us to follow the miracle worker, but so do his promises. Greater works than these shall we do. See, like Jacob did, today we need to understand that even though we've received the inheritance of our Father, even though we are joint heirs with Christ, and even though we have the birthright of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, we are not done yet. There is more. Greater works than these we shall do. What did Jacob do? He said, I will not let go until you bless me. I will not let go even if it costs me to the point that I remember that that costs every time I take a step. You know, the scripture tells us Jacob walked away limping. But you know what? If you look at that the other way, every time you take a step and feel that pain, you're reminded of the blessing that came along with it. Amen. Whatever the fight that you're going through, we need to remember that we don't need to stop fighting. You don't need to stop fighting until you get your blessing. Don't stop fighting until you discover your new identity. And don't stop fighting even though it might seem that you're all alone. Don't stop fighting even though you may be all alone. Keep fighting even though there absolutely is going to be a cost. Keep fighting until you know who it is that you're fighting with. Do you receive this word today? What are we going to do about it? Keep fighting. Amen. Don't give up. Don't give in. Thank you so much for listening to this message today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope it's encouraged you. I hope that it's given you some motivation. Hey, go ahead and share it with a friend. For that matter, share it with an enemy. Just get the word out there. We want to reach as many people as possible. Also, thank you for your financial support. If you are not already a financial supporter, please prayerfully consider becoming one. Our Cash App, PayPal, and mailing address are located in the description below. Until next time, have an awesome day and live your Christ life now. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.